Welcome to this podcast from Wilkesboro Baptist Church, where we are on a mission to lead our neighbors and the nations to follow Jesus. Uh, a couple of uh, just kind of by, by way of introduction um, or way of way of comment, rather, uh, our elders gathered uh, this past week or yesterday and prayed for you as a congregation uh, and met and discussed and thought about things that are important in the life of our church. And you keep praying for us as we gather uh, each week. And one of the there there are a ton of benefits to having a plurality of elders. <clears throat> I've shared a few of those with you over the last months and, and weeks. I'll share more as, as we get a chance to do that. But one of the benefits is that I get to hear somebody else teach and preach uh, sometimes. And so uh, the, the type of, of doctrinal study we're working our way through, the doctrine of eschatology, uh, requires a little more intense reading and preparation on my part. And yesterday, uh, our elders spent about uh, seven hours here together uh, working through the business of the church and praying for the church and thinking about stuff. And, and Tuesday is one of those days where I set aside a significant portion of that day, 60 to 70% of my work day, to try to read and study and prepare. And so uh, I, I, it is a blessing for me to be able to ask another elder to teach or preach. So tonight you're going to hear from Steve Robinson, one of our uh, newer elders uh, recently elected. And so he's going to share with us tonight. And you're probably going to see that the, the first uh, Wednesday of the month, we're going to have a different elder share with you uh, because it, it, it's the way it falls in my study time during the week. And uh, it means you get, you're getting better than what I could give with, with a little bit of time. You're getting much better because Steve's going to, going to share with us something that he spent a significant amount of time preparing and, and sharing. And I appreciate this, brother. Uh, I can't tell you the, the joy it has been to be upstairs with him on a Wednesday afternoon praying with him or being in an elder meeting praying with him and hearing his prayers for you and for me and for our congregation. Um, when we're finished tonight, so I don't have to come back up here and say this, we're going to leave out all the round tables and all the chairs around the round tables. The only tables that go up are the rectangle ones and the chairs around the rectangled uh, tables go up. So somebody smarter than me with a better memory than me, remember that when we're done, and we won't have to announce anything else. Steve, you come and share with us, okay? Thank you, Pastor. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to open God's Word and, and share it with you. I appreciate it for a lot of reasons, but it also gives me uh, time in a significant way in God's Word that I don't normally have or I don't normally take maybe I should say it that way but uh, I always uh, appreciate the opportunity to study God's word and and to share uh, some of those truths with others and so I'd like to invite you to take your copies of the Bible and turn to First Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to start there but we're going to look at a lot of different verses as we think about uh, the connectedness that we have or should have as a body of believers. We, we talk a lot about the community, uh, being a community, and uh, what that means and how to build un uh, community and maintain it. And, uh, and that's really an important thing to do, especially in our world and our society in which we live. We find, we find today that uh, uh, our, our country, our social bonds, they've been steadily eroding for the last 40 years, uh, slowly diminishing uh, the connectedness between uh, people in this world. 
And uh, that is a very significant thing. And uh, people are less connected and less involved, less active in their communities. They participate less in organizations and groups volunteering than it seems like ever before. And the, the academics tell us that the glue that holds our society together is called social capital. Well, that's been eroding for uh, some time now and, and getting weaker and weaker. And there's been several causes uh, for that uh, that's been suggested, and a lot of it we could don't really need to be told, perhaps. But social media is one of those in our day. Also, uh, texting. Um, I don't know if you like texting or not. Some of you do. I do not. Uh, but uh, every, I get a text every once in a while, and I'll read it, and Ethel says, aren't you going to answer that? And I said, it doesn't need answering. Yes, it does. And so I hand her the phone. But we don't want to talk face-to-face, and there's times when she's texting, I just hang up and call. I mean, just quit and call and talk to somebody. Uh, that separates us, and the social media uh, kind of separates us in a very real way. And uh, uh, we find that our, our society is not what it used to be. But our purpose isn't to correct the ills of society. I mention these things for a couple reasons. First, there are forces in our society which are pulling people apart uh, and isolating them, making it more difficult for those to come together in community. Uh, that's ongoing. And as, the, as part of the church and people in this society in America, we are subject to that pulling apart. We are not immune to those forces. And so we have to be intentional in our relationship one with another that we might, that we might come together. Uh, if we don't, we're going to be swept downstream. And we're not going to have the connectedness, the community, the, the relationship that we need to have. There's a second reason I mention these things is because we have a great opportunity. Uh, and the fact that the communities are, are not what they used to be, there's a lack of connectedness between people. Just because that is true doesn't mean people don't need connection. They want a sense of belonging. They want that uh, going on in their life, and, and they want to be a part of someone that's uh, really doing. And when they see our community in church, and they see the way we care for one another, love one another, support one another, and, and minister to one another, they see that, and it's a drawing factor. It's enticing to them. They would like to be along to something like that because they know nothing like it in the world around them. And we have a wonderful opportunity at those times to share Jesus Christ uh, with them. After all, it's because it's through our connection with Jesus Christ that we have a connection one with another. It's because of our common union with Christ that we are united together. And so that becomes very important. And we're going to look tonight at the power of encouragement, building up one another and strengthening one another through encouragement. And we're going to, as we do that, look at 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11. It starts off, therefore, and if you go back to chapter, in chapter 5 to verse 1, he's talking about the day of the Lord and the difficult times that may be uh, coming, that are going to be coming around that event. And he says, on the basis of that, encourage 
one another and build up one another just as you're also doing. From this verse, two things emerge very quickly to me. That encouragement and building up one another is not something that just happens. That Paul uses here the imperative, uh, encourage. That's not a suggestion. <laughs> That's a command that God is giving you and me. Uh, we are either in this area of encouragement, we're either obedient or disobedient. Uh, there's no other way to put it because uh, God has commanded us to do it. We are to be responsible for that. So it, it doesn't just happen. Uh, we have to m- be a part of that and purpose to do it. We also see that encouragement is not something unnecessary or unimportant. But why is that? Why is it worth the investment of our time and energy to go out of our way to encourage somebody else? Well, the fact that it's a command should be enough, but we usually need a little more prodding than that, don't we? And I want to share with you some uh, reasons why encouragement is important and look at some other passages in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 if you'll turn there. Uh, I want us to think about the fact that encouragement is important because it helps keep helps us keep the faith. In case you haven't noticed, the world is not really uh, thrilled about Christianity and our faith. Um, they don't like it. And we need encouragement to continue standing firm in, the, in Christ in the midst of a world that rejects, that rejects Christ and also keep believing in something that many say is nothing more than a fairy tale or a myth. Uh, this world regards Christians as fools and guiding uh, our lives by a bunch of things that just really aren't so and an outdated moral code and there is ridicule and opposition to that type of thinking. Uh, our, our historians, the philosophers, the educators, the scientists tell the world that the things in the Bible just could not happen. <laughs> not true. The world couldn't start the way that it did. The things that Jesus did, he couldn't do. And we are faced with that. But why, why such ridicule? Well, in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18, it says, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved is the power of God. To those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Savior, the gospel message is powerful. It is exciting in our lives. But to those who are perishing, those who are dying, apart from Christ, they look at what we do and what we think, what we say and how we live and say, you guys are a bunch of fools. Why? We'll turn over to chapter 2. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 14, it says, But the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. They don't get it because they can't get it. And God has to do a work in their life as he did in our life so that we can begin to comprehend spiritual things. And so we have this this action going on between those who don't know Christ and those who do. To one, it's foolishness. To other, it's an amazing thing. And we think of that. But we also also remember what Jesus said. Uh, And he reminded us several times that in the world, you're going to have trouble. Isn't that good news? (laughs) Uh, We we 
sometimes people think they come to Christ and all the bad things are going away. And Jesus says, no, you're going to have trouble. Uh, and he says, because I have chosen you out of the world and you're not part of the world, the world's going to hate you. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't like to be hated. I don't like to be regarded as a fool, even though I can do some foolish things. Uh, I don't like that label. Those labels are not very encouraging at all. And the news media, the entertainment industry, and, and higher education, the opinion leaders are groups that are most hostile, hostile to our faith. They do not just disagree with us. They are, hold contempt at, at what we believe. Um, Christians are routinely portrayed by the media as fools and hypocrites and and uh, dangerous, intolerant bigots in our society, and they threaten our that we threaten the democratic way of life. I have heard uh, in some political messages going out that Christians are responsible for the mental health crisis. That we are res- that we are domestic terrorists. There's that Christians are some of the most uh, dangerous people on the earth. Where do they come up with that kind of stuff? But that's the ridicule we face. And, and, uh, and when, when that continually comes our way and we're bombarded by it, there are some who begin to think, well, is the Bible really all that we claim it is? And they begin to uh, vacillate and think and wonder, can I really trust it? They begin to doubt. And then there are those who they don't doubt, but they're really tired. They grow weary and well-doing, and they just want to sit down and not, and not deal with it all and, and not to keep pressing forward. That's when we need to come together to one another and say, keep the faith. Don't doubt. Don't believe the skeptics. Keep on pressing on. Uh, Don't give up. We need to encourage one another to actively believe God and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, in a world that is hostile to it. We need encouragement for that. But secondly, we need encouragement because the Christian life is a struggle. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Jesus encouraged us or told us that, that his yoke... Uh, is easy and his burden is light. He told us that in this world, though, we will have trouble. He also said that in order to follow him, we must deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. I think sometimes we glance over that and don't understand the significance of what the cross is. It's an instrument of death, and, and, uh, and, and we have to be willing to do that daily. In other words, we have to we have to be willing to give up everything to follow Jesus Christ. It doesn't cut it for us to give God a portion of our time, even the major portion of our time. Jesus Christ is to be centrally located and has a place of prominence within our life where his life touches every aspect of our life. And in order to do that, We need to be willing to give it all up, even surrender our life uh, if necessary. And one of the most difficult struggles we have, we struggle with trials, 
we struggle with temptation as well because one of the most difficult struggles we have is a battle against sin in our own hearts. We don't like other people to know that. We like to kind of think, let them think that we're not struggling. But we all struggle in our heart issues and, and uh, idols of the heart. And we know that God's word and God's power is sufficient. But life is still a struggle. We still have to face those things and walk through them. We need uh, renewed strength every day to follow Christ and, and not yield to temptation, not to buckle under trials and to difficulty. We need encouragement from one another to keep running, to keep persevering. Hebrews chapter 12, let me begin reading in verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance, and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now catch this. For consider him, that's Christ, who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We are to reflect upon Christ. I think we need to reflect upon the purchase price of our salvation often and remember the cost of our salvation. And that ought to encourage us to keep moving forward. So in that time of struggle, we just want to, want to give up. We keep pressing on. In Hebrews chapter 3 Verse 13, it says, But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of us or none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I think in part we're kind of to be like the cheerleaders along a marathon race. I think one thing cheerleaders are thankful for is they're, they're not in the race. <laughs> That's where I want to be is on the sideline. But uh, nevertheless, uh, there's something about if you're in a race or you're in a uh, competing where there's people on the sideline cheering you on. And, and spiritually, as your legs turn to rubber and your lungs are on fire from the exertion and, the, and running with endurance, we need somebody to say, keep on going, keep on running and, and the race and don't quit. And the necessity of encouragement is seen in many, many places in Scripture. Over and over again, we're told to encourage one another. We're even told to encourage ourselves. It's a responsibility we should have and take upon ourselves, but it's certainly great when somebody else does it too, over and over again. Matter of fact, in 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, we read verse 11, but down in, I think it's verse 14, it says, encourage the faint in heart. And Paul writes about encouragement just about everywhere he, uh, in every book that he pens. But that isn't all he did. Over and over again, we not only see them encouraging Paul and Barnabas, and Barnabas' name, if you'll remember, is called uh, Encourager or the Son of Encouragement. Uh, other gospel writers, they, uh, they, they go back to the churches to encourage. In Acts, listen to what Acts Luke wrote in Acts 14. After they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra 
and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in faith and saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. They went back to encourage, not to write another letter, not to uh, do a lot of the ministry that he did in planning the church, but to encourage them to continue. That's what First Thessalonians, so much of it is about, to encourage the church of Thessalonica to keep on being faithful. They turned from idols to serve the living God, and they needed encouragement to continue on that in the midst of the persecution and the difficulties that they were facing. Paul also said in Romans chapter 1 and verse 11, he says, For I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us, by the other's faith, both yours and mine. Their faith relationship with Christ was a mutual encouragement to them. Paul went to encourage them, but he also desired that their faith would encourage him. And as you read that, you know that it, that it does. And you have to ask yourself, was Paul wasting his time <laughs> um, uh, doing something that is non-essential? Uh, after all, he was, had tremendous responsibility. He was the apostle to the Gentiles to plant churches and reach out. And, and, and through his ministry, in large part, the, the, the Christian church was established in different places. Uh, he didn't have time to waste on non-essentials, on, on mushy words and, and, uh, and things that didn't really matter. Uh, Paul could not afford to waste that time, but yet time and time again we see him uh, as an axe, not going back to, to necessarily preach and teach, although he probably did some of that, but his purpose and Acts was to encourage them, to strengthen them. And if Paul thought that was important in his ministry, how much do you think it's important in ours? We need to encourage because it's essential to our spiritual health. And that's what Paul did. He encouraged them. We also, if you turn to Proverbs chapter 12, we want to think about encouragement is important because it's so powerful. It was Mark Twain who said, I can go two months on a good compliment. <laughs> how far can you go? <laughs> when somebody encourages you, how do you respond? Uh, well, if you're in the midst of difficulty, it might help you uh, to keep going. Uh, you might tell somebody else. You might go home and tell your your spouse that so-and-so encouraged you and said you did a great job ushering or teaching or ministering or whatever it is. And those times of encouragement are very important because when you get discouraged ushering or teaching or in your ministry and things are not going as well as you think they should, you can remember somebody has benefited from your ministry. And be encouraged to keep on. And that's, and that's a powerful thing. Uh, encouragement has a great deal of power. In Proverbs 12, 18, it says, There is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of the sword. 
but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Um, probably all of us have been recipients of the thrash of the sword <laughs> from somebody's tongue. But the wise speak uh, what they say brings healing. Turn to chapter or Proverbs 18. Verse 21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, understand this, church. In Christ, we have that kind of power. <laughs> if you have a tongue, you hold the power of spiritual life and spiritual health in the lives of others. We can encourage them and enhance their life in Christ and to uh, help them move in Christ's direction. In Ephesians, it talks about that we are to uh, minister grace to the hearer, to those we talk to. In other words, when we speak to people, are they going to draw closer to the Lord and keep walking with the Lord? Is our speech helping them to be obedient and faithful to Jesus Christ? We're never given any liberty to curse those who curse us. <laughs> Or belittle those who belittle us. Never. We don't treat them like they treat us at times. Unfortunately, sometimes Christians don't treat each other well. But no matter what the other person does, we are responsible for our actions and we are to speak well and speak life and health. Um, your speech and mine has a power to encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ to renew our strength, to refresh our spirits, to, to help us uh, see the light out of the way of depression. Now, that's what encouragement can do. Wouldn't it be terrible to know that we have this power and we never use it? <laughs> we never encourage anybody. Uh, it would be a, certainly a tragedy. And as we cover, encourage others, we become encouraged ourselves as we express appreciation we become thankful as we encourage someone uh, to trust God our own faith is strengthened when we uh, when we uh, comfort uh, others we find who are suffering and going through difficult times we find comfort and joy in that what we do uh, and, men, and how we minister to others comes back to us and encourages us and strengthens us and helps us away. Probably one of the great ways that we can encourage ourselves is by forgetting our selfishness ourselves and go out and encourage somebody else. <laughs> can do wonders. Proverbs eleven twenty five says, "The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered." I think the idea there is uh, the one who refreshes or waters will himself be refreshed. So how do we encourage others? How can we do that? I think one thing is to realize that encouragement comes in many, many different ways. It comes through a kind word. It comes through listening, being willing just to sit with somebody. It can come through a, a, a shoulder, an arm on a shoulder, a gift, a a note, an act of service, a word of appreciation. There are a number of ways to do that. I remember many years ago we had an encouragement Sunday, and one teenage kid uh, baked an apple pie for somebody and encouraged them. 
It wasn't me. I didn't get to eat it. But nevertheless, the person that got it enjoyed it and appreciated it. From a teenager, there's a lot of different ways. There's as many ways to encourage one another as there are individuals in this room. There's not just one way to do it, and so we need to re remember that. There's many ways to do that, and the main thing is to do it. Communicate that you care, that you're concerned, that you love others, that you're praying for them, and, and, and be very sincere and authentic in our relationship with them. I think another way we do that is be with them. Instead of ministering to somebody from a standpoint of superiority, encourage them as a fellow believer, a fellow recipient of God's grace and love. Because that's what we are. They may need our encouragement today, but we'll need theirs tomorrow. <laughs> you see, we need be faithful in our encouragement one, one with another. We need to follow the exhortation of, of Paul in, in Romans 12, and I'd encourage you to read that later, but let me just listen. I'll begin at verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love to give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoice in hope persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. It's our responsibility in this world and with one another. And I think, thirdly, remind them of the truth. Don't pretend that their circumstances are any different or better than they really are. Uh, how many times have you gone to somebody with a problem and they say, ah, it's really not that bad. Well, to them it is. <laughs> and, and what bothers them may seem insignificant to you and me, but what bothers me may seem very insignificant to you, but it still bothers me. <laughs> and we need to not share empty platitudes, but remind them of the truth about God and the truth about themselves from God's perspective, in other words, using the truth to help them get an eternal perspective on their circumstances. There's a lot of ways we can do that, but just let me give you a, a couple. Remind them that God loves them, that he is in control, and that he has not abandoned them. They will think God has abandoned them at times. But we need to remind them that God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He is our constant companion through it all. We don't have to worry about that from the point of our salvation throughout all eternity because God is with us. And we need to encourage that. And we can be encouraged ourselves by reminding ourselves that God is with us. We need to remind them that God never fails, that he is always faithful. In the midst of our changing world and our changing lives, our vacillating emotions and all of that, God remains the same. He doesn't change. He is always faithful, and he never fails, and he will not fail you, and he will not fail me. And we have history with God to verify that in our own lives. And then 
remind them that he's always good, even when it seems otherwise. God is good, and he's good all the time. My concern often is that when somebody says God is good, it's because their circumstances are good. And certainly we want to be thankful that God is good when things are going our way. I remember when I came back from the pulpit after open heart surgery, I kept hearing, God is good, you're back, God is good, you're well, God is And I finally stopped and uh, I told the congregation, I said, you know, if it hadn't turned out the way we wanted it to, God's still good. Doesn't matter. My life doesn't dictate the goodness of God. He is good. We need to encourage one another. And, uh, and as we do that, we will be encouraged ourselves. But I want to remind you something, that Paul, in writing to the Thessalonians, was not in commanding them to do something because they weren't doing it. I, think, I find this fascinating. He said, encourage one another and build up one another just as you're doing. I don't want you to get the idea that this is a heavy uh, lesson on the fact that, hey, let's get busy. We need to be doing this. No, I would say we're in a church that does that. We encourage one another, uh, and, and I am so grateful for that. And like Paul, I would just like to say, let's excel in it. Let's keep on. Let's do more. Let's not give up. Let's encourage one another in Christ. Let's bow in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for the great privilege that we have to have to know you. And because we know you, we can be encouraged by you. We thank you for your word and its sufficiency in our lives. We thank you for the sufficiency of our Savior. And we thank you that you've given us everything that we need for life and godliness and in so doing, you have given us the tools whereby we might help encourage and strengthen one another. And may we be quick to do that. May we excel in it. And thank you for giving us a good foundation in this church where people do that. But help us to excel in such a way that you are glorified in and through our lives and others can see Christ in our lives and in our connectedness as a church. Thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Remember to like and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.